Welcome to the Cleaning and Crime Podcast. My name is Elise, and if you're wondering about the name, (laughs) I love to listen to true crime while I clean. So because cleaning and true crime are my two loves, I've combined the two. And every week I post a new whole house cleaning motivation video on my YouTube channel, See Elise. And in the corner of the video, I'm in a little bubble telling you about a true crime case that's interesting to me. So cleaning and crime. But for some, the cleaning footage is too distracting. Or some people just prefer to listen to their true crime and not watch it. If you want to check out the video version of today's story, be sure to check out my YouTube channel and you'll find a playlist of all of my cleaning and crime episodes. But if you just came here for the crime and not the cleaning, you're in the right place. Trigger warning, this is a true crime podcast. Some episodes may be disturbing to some listeners. Be sure to check the show notes for each episode for specific trigger warnings. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Today's true crime case is about Casey Anthony. Oh, Casey Anthony and the death of her daughter, Kaylee Anthony. So let me tell you about Casey Anthony and all of her BS while I clean my house. Cool? Cool. This story about Casey Anthony and her two-year-old daughter Kaylee is a a wild ride. And the Kaylee Anthony murder trial was huge. It became a pretty messed up tourist attraction in Florida. And it's often compared to the O.J. Simpson trial, both because of its widespread media coverage and because of the shocking verdict at the end. And it led to Casey Anthony becoming the most hated woman in America. I know I hate her. So let's start from the beginning, like I always do. Casey Anthony was born March 19th, 1986 to her parents, George and Cindy Anthony. George was a former police officer and Cindy was a home care nurse. The family was raising Casey and her older brother, Lee, in Orlando, Florida. The family was very close. Casey had a normal, happy childhood. She was a ball of energy. She had a lot of friends. She was very close with her mother, Cindy. Cindy described Casey as the light of her life. And she said that Casey was very popular growing up, especially with the boys. There was always a boyfriend chasing after her. But things did shift a bit when Casey hit those teen years, which is pretty common. But Casey went from being very close with her family and telling them everything to not talking to them much at all. I mean, you know how it is. You ask a teenager, how was your day? And you just get back, fine. So Casey was very, yeah, fine, no, is all she would give. And George and Cindy went from knowing absolutely everything about their daughter to pretty much knowing nothing. They didn't know what she was up to who she was hanging out with, they were completely in the dark. And on top of that, whenever they could get Casey talking, she began a habit of lying all the time. Lies upon lies about random shit. And she didn't just lie about little stuff, she lied about big stuff too. Like, for example, as Casey's high school graduation approached, George and Cindy started planning a graduation party for her. They sent out invitations, they planned the whole damn party, and then they kept asking Casey for details about the ceremony. Like, hey, where's the ceremony? Is it at the school? What's the exact date? What time do we need to be there? And she would just like shrug, not answer, ignore them. She was just not giving them any straight answers. So eventually Cindy called the school and it was like a few days before graduation. So Cindy calls the school and the school informs her then that Casey was not even able to graduate. She was failing most of her classes. And they're like, how were you unaware that your daughter was failing and not graduating? Casey had probably been going to the mailbox and stealing report cards and letters home. So Casey knew she wasn't gonna graduate and she still let her parents plan the whole damn party. What the hell? 
What was her plan? What was she going to do come graduation day? Rather than repeat those classes, Casey decided to drop out of high school and get a job at Universal Studios in the Hard Rock Cafe. She continued living at home with George and Cindy, and she seemed to be doing well in her job. She seemed happy, and George and Cindy were supportive. In January 2005, Casey started dating this guy, Jesse Grund. So now she's got her job, she's got a nice boyfriend. Everything seems to be going well. Then later that same year, at age 19... Casey became pregnant. Initially, she kept her pregnancy a secret while she decided what her plan was. Casey ended up confiding in a friend about her pregnancy and told her friend that she was thinking of giving the baby up for adoption. Then she could maintain her lifestyle the way it is. Nothing would change. She just wasn't ready to become a mom. Now, Casey is short and petite. She's very slim. She's about five foot one. And she tried hiding her belly under baggy clothes. But around the seven month mark... It was pretty hard to hide. So at seven months pregnant, that's when she went to Cindy's work and told her, Mom, I'm pregnant. She told her mom that she had kept it a secret because she was afraid she was going to be mad at her. But Cindy told her, I love you. You're you're pregnant. I'm going to be a grandma. That's awesome. But then when Casey and Cindy went home to tell George about the pregnancy, that's when Casey let it slip that she was planning on finding a family to adopt the baby. And George and Cindy were pissed. They were like, absolutely not are you giving up the baby for adoption. They told her you can keep living at home and we will help you raise the baby. We'll help you with the costs. We'll help you with everything, but you cannot give up the baby for adoption. Casey didn't initially say who the father was and George and Cindy didn't press her on it. But at some point, Casey started lying about that too. Sometimes she would say the baby's father was her boyfriend, Jesse. Sometimes she would say she didn't know who the father was. Once she told Cindy that it was some random guy who died in a horrible car accident. Why does she do that? She must have gotten some weird thrill from lying. Like, I I get red in the face, my eyes start not working right, and then my palms and my back get sweaty. I, I'm not built for lying. Anyway, there was some family drama because George and Cindy and Casey decided to keep the pregnancy a secret from Casey's brother Lee, despite the fact that he lived in the house with them. And he didn't even find out that Casey was pregnant until a few days before she delivered the baby. And when he found out the whole family had kept this secret from him, he was really hurt and offended. And he was so mad that he didn't even go to the hospital when Casey went into labor. Casey had her daughter on August 9th, 2005 and named her Kaylee Marie Anthony. Casey told her boyfriend, Jesse, guess what? You're the father, perhaps. <laughs> and he was very excited. He loved Casey. So he was like, yay. And a few months later, on New Year's Eve, Jesse proposed to Casey so they could take a stab at being a real established family. And Casey was like, okay, I think maybe she wasn't super excited because maybe perhaps she knew deep down that Jesse wasn't the baby daddy, which is awkward, but she didn't tell him that. So Casey is newly engaged and Kaylee is a few months old. And it's at this point that Casey hired a nanny named Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez to help out with childcare. But Casey called this nanny Zanny for short. Cindy was like, why do you have a nanny now? Like, where'd you find her? How can you afford this nanny? Casey told her mom that there was a coworker that she worked with at Universal Studios who introduced her to his ex-girlfriend, Zanny, and that he was paying for Zanny to watch both his kid and Casey's kid. So Cindy was like, so this random guy that I've never met and never heard of is paying for someone to watch your kid. Okay, whatever. <laughs> 
Jessie, the fiance, was starting to become suspicious of Casey. She was acting a bit erratic. She was kind of getting wild, going out and partying all the time. He was starting to wonder if Casey actually wanted to settle down and get married. He just didn't recognize her anymore. And he was also starting to wonder if he was indeed the father. So he had a DNA test done. And guess what? Jessie was not Kaylee's father. Jesse was devastated and he ended up breaking off the engagement and dumping Casey. So some time goes by after the breakup and Casey turns 21 and she decides that she is ready to go out and start dating again. So Casey started going out all the time. She was hitting the bars, hitting the clubs, going out dancing with her friends, staying out late. The stuff that you do when you're 21. Out at the bars, Casey meets this super hot guy. Tony, an aspiring DJ, the two hit it off and Casey and Tony started dating right away. Tony lived in an apartment with a bunch of guys, some of which were also aspiring DJs. And Casey would bring Kaylee over all the time just to hang out, play video games, maybe drink, maybe do a little bit of drugs. And then wherever Tony was DJing that night, that's where Casey would go too. Casey and Kaylee were still living at Cindy and George's. And so when Casey would go out, Cindy and George would take on most of the child rearing responsibilities. Kaylee had her own room at Cindy and George's. They bought her clothes, they paid for her food, and they would take care of her most of the time when Casey would go out. As Kaylee became a toddler, the partying really ramped up. Casey was going out all the time, sometimes staying out all night, not calling, not coming home at all. And then Casey would just randomly show up back at Cindy and George's and Cindy would be like, what the hell, Casey? Where the hell were you? Casey would be like, oh my God, mom. I was just out. God. So George and Cindy started to get annoyed. Then on June 15th, 2008, Cindy, George, Casey, and Kaylee, they're just having a wonderful summer day, hanging out in the backyard, swimming in the family pool, relaxing and having family time. But when the evening rolled around, George and Cindy confronted Casey about her attitude and her behavior, and they challenged her parenting, or lack thereof. They were basically like, get your shit together. You're going out too much. You're partying too much. We told you we'd help you with Kaylee, not do literally everything. Casey was pissed. Everyone yelled, everyone argued. Eventually the arguing fizzled out and everyone went to their respective rooms for the night. But in the morning, Casey packed up Kaylee and all their shit and they left. They like left, left, like moved out. Now, Casey and Kaylee were planning on leaving this day because Casey had a work trip in Tampa, but Casey was so pissed she decided she didn't want to come back after the trip. So she packed up all their shit. And her and Kaylee drove off in the car that George had gotten Casey. And then Casey gave George and Cindy the silent treatment. Now, Casey did not actually go to a work trip in Tampa. She went straight to DJ Boyfriend's house. And Tony, the DJ, and his roommates all said that when Casey showed up that day on June 16th, Kaylee was not with her. And that day, June 16th, 2008, when Casey and Kaylee drove off, was the last time Cindy and George saw Kaylee alive. Casey ended up staying with her boyfriend, Tony, for the next month. Eventually, Casey would answer the phone when Cindy called her, but she refused to go back to the house or see them in person. And she was continuing her drinking and partying lifestyle. One of the roommates that lived with Tony later told police that when Casey and Tony first started dating, she would bring Kaylee over to the house all the time. And then as the weeks went on, she was bringing Kaylee over less and less. And by mid-June, Kaylee never came over at all. Whenever she was asked, hey, where's Kaylee? She would say either she's with the nanny or she's with her grandparents. Casey seemed totally normal and none of the roommates suspected that anything strange was going on. Whenever Cindy would call Casey, Casey would seem annoyed and be like, I'm fine. And whenever Cindy would ask about Kaylee, she'd be like, hey, how's Kaylee doing? Can I talk to her? Can I see her? Casey would always say no. And she'd make an excuse for why Cindy couldn't talk to her. Like she's napping or she's with the nanny. 
Meanwhile, during this time, Casey was living it up. Her MySpace page was full of photos of her partying, going out to bars, dancing on bar tops, taking shots with her friends. She competed in a hot body contest at one of the parties that her DJ boyfriend threw. And she also posed for pictures of her new tattoo that said Bella Vita, which means beautiful life. Like, I get it. I was in my early 20s too. But Casey hit it pretty hard that month. Like, she was trying to make up for lost time. In July, a few weeks after Casey and Kaylee had bounced from George and Cindy's house, George got a phone call from a local impound lot saying, we have your car. The car that they described was Casey's car. And George was like, oh, shit. Like, what the hell happened? Casey didn't call him to let him know the car had been towed, so he was super annoyed and pissed, and he drove down to the impound lot to pay for the car and pick it up. Now, it turned out that Casey had driven to a check cashing place and she had gotten there on fumes and so the car ran out of gas completely in the parking lot. She didn't want to pay to get the car towed because that would cost the entirety of the check that she had just cashed. And rather than be a freaking grown up and call one of your friends or your parents and ask someone to bring you a freaking gas can, she just completely abandoned the car in the parking lot of the check cashing place. After several days of the car sitting there, employees of the check cashing place realized the car had been abandoned there and they called to have it towed. So George was pissed, but he was also nervous. George was the next cop, so naturally his brain shifted into cop brain. And he was like, what if something happened to Casey or Kaylee? George had the impound guy come with him to get the car. And as soon as they opened the driver's side door to the car, both of them were overwhelmed by a smell. And both this ex-cop and the impound employee recognized the smell and said, that smells like a dead body. They both had actually experienced that smell before. Obviously, George was a cop. And the impound guy had found a dead body in a trunk before at the impound lot, unfortunately for him. It's apparently a very distinctive smell. George opened up the trunk, fearing that he was going to find his daughter or his granddaughter's body in the trunk. But all they found was a garbage bag filled with garbage. George paid the impound guy and he drove the car home with the windows open. George gets home and has Cindy come out to sniff the car. They both agreed. It was really stinky. They threw away the garbage bag. They cleaned up the whole car, vacuumed it out. Cindy emptied an entire bottle of Febreze into the car. And then they left the windows open to let it air out. Great. So now Cindy was pissed at Casey and she started calling her, calling her, calling her, and she was not getting an answer. And she's just getting more and more mad, but also worried. Cindy started calling around to friends, trying to find out where Casey was. She finds out Casey's at the DJ boyfriend's house and finds out where he lives. And Cindy walked her ass right up to that apartment and knocked on the door. When the door opens, she finds a room full of dudes and Casey sitting around with a bunch of drugs on the table. And it's like, 10 a.m. And there was no sign of Kaylee anywhere. Cindy started right in on Casey. Where the fuck have you been? Why didn't you answer the phone? Why was the car towed? Where the hell is Kaylee? Casey's like, oh my God, mom. She's with the nanny. <sighs> You're so embarrassing. Cindy was like, I can't, I can't deal with this. I can't take it anymore. Just tell me where this nanny is and I will go get Kaylee. I will go pick her up. But Casey refuses. So Cindy's like, fine. You won't tell me where she is? I'll fucking take you then. Get your shit. We're going. You're done. Oh my God, mom. So she basically dragged Casey out of the house. On the drive home, Cindy is laying into Casey and it didn't matter what she said to her. She couldn't get anything out of the girl. Cindy had had enough. She was like, I have not seen my granddaughter in a month. You won't tell me where she is? 
I'm calling the cops. And Cindy ended up calling 911 three times that night. The first call was in the car. Cindy was basically like, hey, I'm gonna just drop my shitty daughter off to the police station. Where do I go? <laughs> the police kept transferring her. They're like, oh, well, you live here. You called the wrong precinct. Eh, we're just gonna send an officer to your house. And she was like, great. So they get home. They continue arguing. After a while goes by, no cop has showed up. Casey's still not telling her shit, so she calls 911 again from the house. Cindy told the 911 dispatcher, I have someone here that needs to be arrested in my home, and I have a possible missing child. I have a three-year-old that's been missing for a month. Now, Kaylee was going to turn three in a month, so she rounded up. She told the dispatcher that Casey had stolen her car and some money from her home, that she hadn't seen her daughter in a month, but she found her today, but her granddaughter was not with her. So Cindy hangs up and she's waiting for the cops to show up. When she overhears Casey and her brother Lee talking in a different room, she overheard Casey tell Lee that Zanny, the nanny, had Kaylee and was refusing to give her back. She said she had brought Kaylee to the park to pass her off to Zanny for her to babysit, but Zanny held Kaylee close and said, I'm taking her and I'm not giving her back. Well, what the fuck? Now Cindy's like, Jesus Christ, my granddaughter has been kidnapped by a crazed nanny and she calls 911 again. This time on this 911 call, you can tell that Cindy is much more distressed. She's very upset. She's crying. She's hysterical. And she tells the dispatcher, I just found out that my granddaughter has been kidnapped. My daughter just admitted she's been missing for a month. I told you my daughter has been missing for a month. I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. There's something seriously wrong. I found my daughter's car today and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. You can hear in the background, Cindy is very distressed. You can hear her yelling for Casey, trying to get her to get on the phone to talk to the dispatcher. But Casey sounded annoyed, very calm, like she just didn't want to fucking be there. And it takes a lot of pushing, but Casey finally does get on the phone. She's like, hello. Casey tells her that Kaylee is with the nanny and she's been gone for 31 days. She says she knows who has her, that she actually got a phone call that day and was able to talk to Kaylee and she's fine. But that phone number that called her is now a number that's out of service. Casey blames the nanny, Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. When the dispatcher asked her, why are you calling now about your daughter being kidnapped? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? Casey said, I've been looking for her on my own and have gone through other resources, which was stupid. So the cops finally get there and they get there about two hours after the initial 911 call was made. But to be fair, the first call was about a stolen car. <laughs> so they finally show up after things sound a little more urgent and it is a mess over there. Everyone's screaming. George is consoling Cindy and holding her back. The cops are trying to figure out what's going on. So police separate everybody and they get Casey's side of the story. And then they tell Casey, okay, take us to the last place where you saw Zanny. Casey takes police to the Shaw Grass apartment complex and says this is the last place where she dropped Kaylee off for Zanny to babysit. Despite the fact that she had just told her brother that she dropped Kaylee off at the park for Zanny to babysit, but... Whatever. Casey also provided a description of Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez to police. She said she was a female coworker of hers. She was 25. She was mixed, black, and Puerto Rican. She has black hair, five foot seven, 140 pounds, perfect teeth. She's from New York, and she's a 10. Okay. Police go up to the unit that Casey identifies as Zanny's and they knock on the door, but they got no answer. Looking in the windows, the place looks empty. So they go to the landlord and they ask for the rental records. Who's lived there? And they're actually told that that unit has been empty for several months. 
uh-oh. And on top of that, there's no one by the name Zenaida Gonzalez in that entire complex. So police ask for the security footage from the parking lot. They go over the footage and there is no sightings of Zanny, Kaylee, or Casey at all. Ever. So cops searched for Zenaida Gonzalez, and they found out Zenaida Gonzalez is a real person. So they took her photo and put it in a photo lineup and showed it to Casey. But Casey was unable to identify Zanny in the photo lineup. So the cops are like, all right, this bitch is lying to us. So cops start digging into Casey. Police find out that Casey does not work at Universal Studios at all. She had worked there very briefly, like before Kaylee was even born, but she was fired very quickly. So all this time for over two years, she was lying saying she worked at Universal Studios and was like pretending to go there. But the cops keep that evidence to themselves. And they told Casey, bring us to your work and introduce us to your boss and those other co-workers that know Zanny. So they go to Universal Studios and Casey waltzes right up to the employee entrance and acts like she's going to be buzzed in. Initially, the security guard was like, there's no Casey Anthony that, that works here. She's like, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I do. I work here. Mm-hmm. Call, call my manager. Mm-hmm. Here's his extension. There was no such thing as that manager or that extension. Now, eventually a manager came out and saw this girl and all these cops and just kind of like let them in. And Casey starts leading these police officers in a maze through all these hallways. She's waving at people. Oh, hey, everyone she's saying hi to is given that look like, Hey, like, who the fuck are you? And she just leads them through past all these doors until, oops, she turns into a dead end. There was kind of nowhere to go. So she stopped, turned around, looked at the cops and said, I don't really work here. (laughs) What was her fucking plan? Was she? (laughs) So she gets caught in her lie. They bring her down to the station and cops start laying into her. They're like thinking she's going to spill the truth now that she's been caught, right? But no, the officers are all super weirded out by Casey. Like she's kind of aloof, very calm. She wasn't acting like someone whose daughter has been missing for a month. You know what I mean? So they decided to up the stakes. And right there, it's July 16th, they arrest Casey for child neglect and obstruction of justice and lying to the police, thinking that's going to scare her thoroughly into spilling the truth. But it doesn't work. After they arrest Casey, Casey's parents are brought in for questioning. And when cops question Cindy, they ask about the car. They were like, we heard on the 911 call that you said the car smelled like a dead body. But now suddenly that Casey had been arrested, Cindy was shaken up. So she told police, well, when I cleaned out the car, there was a pizza in the trunk and it was full of maggots. So that would account for the smell. So now she's on team, let's cover for Casey. The cops were like, come on, lady, like... You know what that smell is. The smell of a dead body is pretty distinct. And you literally said that on the 911 call. And Cindy's like, oh, that was just a figure of speech. A forensics team dug into Casey's car. It had been cleaned and vacuumed out, but they sent a cadaver dog to sniff out the car and the dog alerted immediately on the trunk, indicating that there was the smell of decomposition in the trunk. The trunk was closely examined and they found staining on the carpet inside the trunk lining that was the size of a small child. But who knows? It's also the size of rotting pizza, you know? Forensic analysis of the trunk's carpet found putrefaction gases consistent with decomposition. And they also found higher than normal levels of chloroform, indicating that perhaps chloroform was used maybe to knock Kaylee out. 
They also found a few strands of human hair. The hair was tested using mitochondrial DNA, which is the kind passed down by your mother. And the test indicated that the hair definitely belonged to either Cindy, Casey, or Kaylee. The hair was longer and lighter than Casey's, and it was not color treated, so it was not Cindy's. So it had to be Kaylee's. On some of those hairs, they found a decomposition band up by the root, which is a dark circle that can form on a decomposing body. Because your hair keeps growing after you die. Cops are like, okay, this doesn't look like a kidnapping case anymore. This looks like a homicide case. So while the car was being searched, so was the family computer. The search history showed that someone had searched how to make chloroform. Cindy was asked about this search, still trying to knock some sense into this woman, and she takes the blame. She's like, oh, clo- yeah, that was me. My dogs were eating bamboo in the backyard, so just to make sure it wasn't toxic, I searched for chlorophyll, and chloroform popped up, and I clicked on it. Lady, as if you wouldn't just search, is bamboo toxic to dogs? Like, give me a fucking break. I see where Casey gets her lying from, huh? Police knew that Cindy was full of shit because the date and time that that search was performed was a time that Cindy was absolutely definitely at work and Casey was the only one home. So what the fuck? She's obviously full of shit. A month after Casey was arrested, Cindy and George went to the jail to visit Casey. And this is a conversation that was recorded. You can watch the video online. And this is like the first time that Casey showed like any emotion. Most of it was just for herself. Like, I can't believe I'm in prison. But she was still claiming that she had nothing to do with Kaylee's disappearance. And she was very frustrated, very upset. Cindy told Casey, people are talking. Someone said this morning that Kaylee's dead. To which Casey responded, surprise, surprise. Whatever the fuck that means. Cindy asked Kaylee, okay, what is your gut telling you? And Casey said that her gut was telling her that Kaylee was alive and that she was not far. Okay. Okay, Casey. Okay. Casey hired a lawyer, Jose Baez. And she found this guy because a fellow inmate gave her his card and said, here, this is the guy you got to call when you're in big trouble. As soon as this guy got involved, the cops were shut down and they were no longer allowed to talk to Casey at all. Meanwhile, George and Cindy are making heroic efforts to try and find Kaylee. They had t-shirts and flyers made. They paid for billboards to be put up. Have you seen Kaylee? They paid for out-of-state search party companies to come out and organize search parties that were humongous. Some of them consisted of over 4,000 people. And a month went by and still nobody found Kaylee. Now remember, this is Florida, Florida. So all of the investigative material that's found is on the news. The recorded conversations between Cindy and George when they visited Casey at the jail and the 911 call that Cindy made where she said the car smells like a dead body. All of this, all over the news, all over the paper. People were outraged. Casey was guilty in the court of public opinion immediately. And overnight, Casey Anthony became the most hated woman in America. Jose Baez, the lawyer, informed the judge that Casey would be fully cooperative with this investigation and her bail is set at $500,000 and George and Cindy bailed her out which I would not have done (laughs) and when that bitch gets out and walks into her parents house what's the first thing she says not thanks for bailing me out not hurry let's go find my missing daughter no I'm hungry is there dinner dude fuck you mom can I have a snack When Casey was out on bail and on house arrest, it was a freaking circus. People were 
pissed. The Anthony's entire street was full of trucks and cameramen and outraged citizens all over the driveway, all over the yard. People were picketing with giant signs. Where is Kaylee? People were standing around outside, screaming obscenities at the house, throwing things, demanding answers. There were fist fights and many altercations between random citizens and cameramen and George and Cindy. Cops were called frequently to break up fights. It was insanity. And it really took a toll on George and Cindy. Then Casey got arrested again on August 29th for just something random and stupid. Forging checks. She had tried to cash checks that amounted to about 650 bucks by forging signatures. And so she was arrested again and her bail again was set at $500,000 and George and Cindy bailed her out again. I... On December 11th, 2008, a utility worker who was a meter reader called the police to let them know he had just found what he thought was a human skull. Now this worker had been less than a mile from the Anthony's home and he was about 20 feet off the road because he had walked into the woods to go pee. And he's unzipping his pants and then he sees human remains, which devastatingly turned out to be the remains of two-year-old Kaylee Anthony. Now they find Kaylee's skull out in the woods and there's still duct tape on it and it's around the mouth and nose. They find a plastic bag nearby with the rest of the bones and they also find a laundry bag with a Winnie the Pooh themed baby blanket. DNA testing was done and on December 19th, investigators publicly released the information that the remains found in the woods were indeed Kaylee Anthony. And the crowd went wild. Police got a warrant and they searched the Anthony home where they found out that Kaylee's bedroom was a Winnie the Pooh themed bedroom. They also found an exact match to the laundry bag that was found in the woods. And that particular laundry bag was only sold in pairs and the Anthony home only had one. So obviously Casey Anthony was arrested right then and there and charged with first degree murder of her daughter, Kaylee. Now this story and this trial was huge. It's often compared to the OJ Simpson trial because of how much coverage it got. It was always on TV. You could not escape it. The media was tearing into the entire Anthony family. Cindy was publicly stating that her daughter was innocent and the media was eating her alive for it. George did not handle it well at all. And on January 23rd, 2009, George actually drove to a hotel and attempted suicide. George swallowed a buttload of pills and also drank a bunch of alcohol. And then he wrote a five page suicide note on the hotel stationary pad in the room that ended with Kaylee, here I come. Police had been called to do a wellness check when nobody heard from George and they found him despondent in the hotel room. He was rushed to the hospital and he did make a full recovery, only to have to suffer through the worst trial ever. Trial prep took forever and the trial didn't even start until May 24th, 2011. Jury selection was an issue in this case because everyone in the area had already basically decided Casey was guilty. It would have been very difficult to find an impartial jury from the immediate area. So rather than take the trial and move it elsewhere, they found the jury from elsewhere, sequestered them and housed them in Orlando. The courtroom was mostly reserved for media and family, but there were a few seats reserved for the general public. And I'm telling you, people were lining up at three, four in the morning. People were crazy about getting in. There was many fist fights outside of that courtroom of people trying desperately to watch this train wreck. Prosecution obviously took the stance of Casey was a party girl. She didn't want to be a mom, but she was forced to be a mom by her mother. When she got tired of mom life, she killed her kid and then spent an entire month partying to make up for lost time. But Casey's defense attorney shocked everyone with his opening statement. And he claimed that Kaylee 
drowned in the family pool and that George disposed of Kaylee's body to cover up this tragic accident. Holy shit! No one knew that was the plan. And poor George was totally shocked. He's like, boy, I don't remember that at all. But George couldn't look shocked because George and Cindy were initially told they couldn't be in the courtroom. However, as Kaylee's grandparents, they were entitled to be in the courtroom. So they were instructed to not show any emotions at all. And if they do, they would be kicked out. And media ripped into George and Cindy for being emotionless even though they were literally not allowed to show emotions. <laughs> and the public had already been speculating that George and Cindy were involved in some sort of cover-up. And the defense attorney played into that. And that really put fuel on the fire. And then it got even worse. Casey's defense team basically went the route of creating reasonable doubt. They just needed a plausible alternative. And they also needed to explain their biggest obstacle, which was Casey's lying. So the lead defense lawyer stands up and says, yes, Casey lied. And Casey began this lying behavior because George, her father, began molesting her at the age of eight, and she lies to cover up the pain. Oh my God. They went after George so hard and blamed everything on him, and the poor guy had to sit there and show no emotion as they threw him under the bus. And just for the record, no, I personally, in my opinion, don't believe any of the shit that's been said about George. I miss you, sweetie. I know that. I miss you too. You've been a great dad and you've been the best grandfather. Don't for a second think otherwise. But that's just my opinion. And like everyone else's. <laughs> oh, and then on the news that night, everyone was going wild. Everybody was talking about it. And then Nancy Grace would get on every night screaming about Tot Mom. And we were all watching. Tot Mom, Casey Anthony on trial for the murder of her two-year-old little girl, Kelly. For 31 okay. days, she didn't report her daughter missing. Tot Mom, now going after her brother and father relentlessly. A little girl was murdered. She was thrown to the side of the road like trash. George got on the stand and denied every allegation against him. He denied the drowning story as well. And the defense cross-examined George and they brought him to tears. Like they went after him so hard and they brought up the suicide attempt, basically saying that the suicide attempt made George look more guilty. Like he tried to kill himself because of a guilty conscience. It was so sad. Cindy got on the stand and claimed again that she was the one that searched for chloroform on the computer. And Cindy also claimed that stain in the trunk, oh, that was there already when we bought the car eight years ago. Cindy was struggling, okay? Like, trying to grapple with the fact that your granddaughter is dead and trying not to lose your daughter, you know? Baez, the defense attorney, was forbidden by the judge to mention the unproven molestation claims in his closing arguments. So instead, he focused on how there was no concrete evidence that linked Casey directly to Kaylee's death. And on July 5th, 2011, after almost six weeks of testimony, 400 pieces of evidence, and almost 11 hours of jury deliberation, Casey Anthony was found not guilty of first-degree murder. Oh my God. Somewhere out there, the devil is dancing tonight. The outrage. People were so pissed. Now, Casey was found guilty, however, for lying to police. But 
The sentence she received was four years and a $4,000 fine. But she had already been in jail for three years at this point, and she was given credit for good behavior. So she only had to spend 10 more days in prison. And when Casey walked her ass out of prison 10 days later, she was met with over 100 protesters screaming at her. I'm honestly shocked that she made it to the car. The jury was very frightened for their safety. (laughs) During the trial, their names were sealed, but as soon as the trial was over, their names were released to the public, and they got lots and lots and lots of death threats. And I guess during the trial, the jurors were discussing the case, which is a no-no, and one of the jurors was allegedly selling information to an online blogger. The whole thing was a huge mess. One male juror spoke anonymously to people after the trial and said none of the jurors liked Casey at all. She just seemed like a really terrible person. But he said the prosecution just did not give them enough evidence to convict. But 10 years later, that same juror still regrets his decision and says it still haunts him to this day. Now, in my opinion, I need to say that so no one comes after me. In my opinion, Casey Anthony killed her kid and she got away with it. And that blows, in my opinion. (laughs) Now, there are lots of theories about what really happened. Casey stuck with the accidental drowning and that George tried to cover it up. Over the years, Casey has changed her theory slightly when she's interviewed. Cindy's theory is that Kaylee must have drowned in the pool and Casey panicked and disposed of the body, but she didn't know what she was doing. George's theory is that Zanny the nanny never existed, which, duh. And he believes that Casey was giving Kaylee Xanax, which the street nickname for Xanax is Zanny. He thinks Casey was drugging her with Xanax so that she would just sleep and Casey could go out drinking. He believes that perhaps Casey gave Kaylee too much Xanax and she died and Casey panicked and disposed of the body. What I don't get with that theory. Why was there duct tape on the skull and where does the chloroform come into play? Here's my theory. I do believe that Casey was using Xanax or Zanny as a babysitter. But I also think that that day when Casey took Kaylee and left Cindy and George's house, that's when she decided to kill Kaylee because her parents weren't going to help her with the girl anymore. And that was the deal. So I think after rigorous searching for how to make homemade chloroform, she possibly gave her some Xanax, then chloroformed her so she would go to sleep, then put duct tape over her mouth and nose to suffocate her but it would happen in her sleep so she wouldn't suffer. Then I think she disposed of her body in the woods and went on a bender for a month and partied and got tattoos. That's my theory. The real Zenaida Gonzalez, because she was a real person, filed a defamation lawsuit against Casey. She said that the whole thing had very negatively impacted her life and that she even lost a job over it. And the organizations that helped organize those giant search parties, they wanted some of their money back too. So everybody was just suing Casey left and right. So to get out of all this, Casey just filed for bankruptcy. And then all the cases were thrown out, which sucks. Casey apparently filed for bankruptcy twice and she was unable to pay her lawyer. So since she couldn't pay him with money, she paid him with sex. Great. An investigator with Baez's defense team once stated that he stumbled upon Casey butt-ass naked in Baez's office. And I guess Casey and her lawyer had a bit of a relationship during and after the trial. Ew. In 2017, so like six years later, more evidence was revealed, which is crazy to me. More search results on the family computer were revealed. 
including the fact that chloroform was searched for 84 times, as well as searches for foolproof suffocation. It was also determined that 48 hours before Casey was arrested that their internet search history was deleted. Also in 2017, Casey did an interview, which you can watch online, where again she changed her fucking story. She claims that the morning Kaylee died, Casey woke up, remembers saying goodbye to her mom, who then went to work, and then she went back to sleep. When she woke up an hour or two later, Kaylee was missing. In that 2017 interview, Casey is asked how she sleeps at night, which I just love. And Casey says that she's fine with herself and she sleeps pretty good at night and she doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks about her. She was also asked if she really believes George had something to do with Kaylee's death. And Casey said, he was with her when I saw her last and she doesn't know what happened after that. In 2022, so just recently, Peacock released a docu-series, Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies. And it was pretty controversial and people were talking about it. In the series, Casey said, quote, the only person in the world that matters to me still is my daughter, but I'm still defending the fact I didn't hurt her, end quote. And Casey blames everything on her father. And she claimed George and her brother Lee both were sexually abusing her. She said, quote, when I was eight years old, my father would start to come into my room at night. End quote. And she also claimed that her brother Lee started coming into her room when she turned 12 and that the abuse from both continued until she was 15. And she said she believes that her father was also abusing Kaylee. In this docuseries, she claims that she remembers falling asleep next to Kaylee for a nap. And she woke up to her father holding Kaylee's soaking wet, lifeless body. She said he handed Kaylee to her and told her it was all her fault and that her mother would never forgive her. And then George took Kaylee from her and she doesn't know where he went or what happened next. Which version of the story is this? 80, 87? Casey claims that for those 31 days that Kaylee was missing, she thought that Kaylee was alive and that her father kept telling her that Kaylee was okay. And when her mother called 911 a month later, she panicked and blamed the fake nanny to cover for her father as she was trained to do. Bitch! George has always denied all of the allegations against him. George says that the drowning in the pool story is a bunch of bull. George and Lee have both cut Casey out of their lives. Cindy says that her and Casey still catch up over the phone once in a while. And Cindy does not believe the sexual assault allegations against George. But she also didn't go out of her way to defend her husband or her son either. And she also refuses to believe that Casey could hurt Kaylee on purpose. I'm honestly surprised that Cindy and George are still married after everything they went through. But they are, and they still live in Florida. Good on them, I guess. As a response to the outrage over Casey's not guilty verdict, a change.org petition gained a ton of attention fighting for Kaylee's Law, which would make the failure to report your child missing or the death of your child a felony. Over the years, 12 U.S. states have adopted some form of Kaylee's Law into state law. Casey became a private investigator, and she works at a firm that's owned by the lead investigator on her case. His name is Patrick McKenna, and he's pretty famous for defending really big cases, and he still believes that Casey is innocent, and he's even let Casey move into his Florida home a couple of times. I wonder what he charges for rent. There's no evidence of any kind of relationship between the two, but I don't know. It's all very strange. And that's it. 
That's all I've got. Casey Anthony, in my opinion, killed her daughter and got away with it. And she's just living free as a bird in Florida as a private investigator. And that is the story of Casey Anthony and the death of her precious two-year-old daughter, Kaylee Anthony. (sighs) And that sucks. Thank you for listening to Cleaning and Crime. If you'd like more content from me or you want to see the cleaning side of things, check me out on YouTube or TikTok or follow my socials, all of which are under the name C. Elise, S-E-E-E-L-I-S-E. If you have any questions or any case ideas that you'd like to share, email me at cleanclean at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. These episodes include my personal opinions, and all information is compiled by me using references that are publicly available. Sources are included in the show notes. All parties described are innocent until proven guilty. See you next time.